You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner, coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo. Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. So the Combine is just around the corner. We've got just a week away. Literally a week from today's episode, we will be talking about Combine stuff. The Combine will be going on or getting ready to kick off as we've got a Combine has moved to prime time. Super excited about that, getting a chance to watch it. Uh, But it's Friday, so we've got Mr. Dennis Bennett jumping on with us here in just a second. And we're going to talk about our rankings for the tight end position for the 2020 Rookies. (laughs) 
It is our Friday show. We've got Mr. Dennis Bennett with us. You can find him at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Dennis, what's going on, man? How's your week been going for you? You know, it's been a hell of a week. It's been a hell of a week. So we'll just leave it at that. Ah. I hear you, man. I hear you. I mean, I'll just throw, I'll give you mine real quick. I tell you, I've been getting over like some kind of horrendous cold or something. I don't know what's been going on, but it's, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this weekend to be here so I can just kind of relax and let my body recover and everything else. Wish it was the combine weekend, if I'm being honest with you, because uh, it'd be nice to be able to just sit around and watch some combine stuff with the, with the way I feel, but. That isn't uh, here or there. We are going to uh, be continuing uh, talking about our 2020 rookie series. Uh, Obviously, a couple weeks ago on Friday, uh, we did our quarterbacks. We are going to do our tight ends today. So not a whole lot of guys. Uh, I believe you have eight. I have nine. Uh, Pretty much the same guys uh, from the sheet that I'm looking at here outside of our last guys. There's uh, one difference between us. So or two, I have two different uh, players compared to year one. So I'm interested to jump in here and talk about these guys. Uh, let's uh, let's just kick it off like we did last week, and we'll start with uh, – we'll, we'll count down from, from the end. Uh, so give me your number eight tight end uh, for the 2020 rookies. Uh, at number eight, I have uh, Albert Okwogabunam. I got Albert O at number eight. <laughs> no, it's funny. I'm usually the good name guy too. I just haven't practiced it enough. Oh, I got you. So what? Uh, what? Uh, what about him? Do you like? Because I don't have him on my list at all. So it, I'm going to be honest. He's one guy that I have not got a chance to to look into. But I'm also going to be honest. I haven't heard a whole lot of people talking about him. So what? So what about him that has kind of caught your interest? You know, he came off a, a strong. 2018 season uh, playing with Drew Locke and he looked really good then his he with Kelly Bryant last year and uh, you know his game didn't take the next step but he's got good size good athleticism Uh, I I definitely think he's one of those tight ends that you're gonna put on your taxi squad probably for a couple years uh, and, and see if he develops into that guy that that can be a contributor, um, you know, he he did show some ability to catch the ball, and and I, honestly, I I'm I, I texted you earlier today that yeah, I'm I'm only about eight deep into my uh, uh, tight end review, and that's why I, I I just wasn't comfortable ranking anybody else after these eight I have on my list, right? And uh, we'll. we'll you know, we got a lot of homework to do. The combine's going to play into some things. Um, we, we, we've got some time until the the uh, NFL draft, and then some time until our rookie drafts. And so, I'm just gonna I'm willing to let it play out and, and see how it goes. Uh, but at, right now, uh, I've got the athletic uh, Albert O at uh, my number eight tight end. All right, so I've got nine, so I'm going to give my nine and eight uh, real quick because we both have the same seven. So at nine for me, I don't have much on him. Um, You know, as you just mentioned, I'm going to kind of echo that. Uh, There's still a lot of homework to do on these guys regardless of the fact that the combine's coming up. And then in between that and obviously the NFL draft, you're going to have pro days as well. Uh, So there's still guys that I'm gathering stuff on. Colby Parkinson from Stanford's a guy that I I liked. Uh, 
Just from what I saw uh, throughout the 2019 college football season, I'm going to do more research into him. He's actually a guy that's probably going to be in my tier three of tight ends, though, because I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if I see a lot of fantasy value for him going into the NFL level. Um, I, I thought there might have been something throughout the season, but the more I've looked at him here, uh, I'm kind of worried that he won't be. So I'm going to throw him on my radar right now, uh, but he might end up not even being on there as we move forward, as you were mentioning, as we get a chance to do a little bit more homework. Um, my number eight guy, though, is, is Jacob Breland out of Oregon. I love this kid. Um, I mean, it's, I'm going to be honest. I feel like I've really gotten a huge fascination here with uh, with the Pac-12 after dark uh, with my love uh, – Love for Justin Herbert as well, uh, as everybody knows. So I've really kind of fallen for these guys. But uh, Breland, 6'5", 250. Uh, he's a fifth-year senior. Uh, did, he redshirted his freshman year. He did not play at all. Uh, some of his strengths, uh, he's got really good hands. And he plays the the tight end position like a wide receiver. Uh, he's used as a deep threat at times. And he was used all over the field by Oregon. Uh, one, It was really Justin Herbert's best weapon outside of C.J. Verdell. Uh, the, his weaknesses that I have on here, he's not very explosive. He's not a guy who's really going to burn players when he's going deep. Uh, he's not someone who's going to get you a ton of rack yards. Uh, and he's a god-awful blocker, uh, That it, which is obviously going to be – I take. I was gonna say it could be a, a big hindrance for him at the NFL level, but then again, we've seen guys like Noah Fant and uh, I'm trying to think of someone off the top of my head. Like I'm gonna be honest, Travis Kelsey. No, Travis Kelsey's a good blocker. Uh, I mean, there's some tight ends that we've seen coming out. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is not a good blocker at all. We've seen the fantasy seasons he's put up with the Giants. So um, I, I don't know if that's as big an issue now going into the NFL them being bad blockers, but it does need to be noted because I would think that. Times that means they're not going to be on the field. Uh, so Breland, not a great blocker. Uh, but in 2019, he had a uh, for me a 19 percentage big uh, 19 percent big play percentage. Uh, what what that is for me, how I calculate that is plays over 20 yards. Uh, and uh, he had six plays, uh, two of which went for touchdowns uh, in his uh, uh, 19% big play percentage. Uh, seven point percent uh, team scrimmage yards, which is fifth, which is actually kind of a big, big deal in the fact that he missed a lot of games this year. He tore his uh, ACL in the middle of this season. So he's actually coming into, I don't think he's going to be at the combine. I mean, he's coming into this draft process hurt. Another reason why I wanted to bring him up. I'll get to that in a minute. A 10.4% dominator rating this year, a third on his team, and then an 81.3% catch rate. Actually the best, best catch percentage of all of the tight ends on here. Uh, and the ACL, why I wanted to mention that really quick is I, with that fact, I do think that means he's going to drop to not being drafted at all in rookie drafts or possibly being a very, very late round pick, depending on how deep your rookie drafts are. So that's why I wanted to mention him. It's a guy to watch out for because I do think he has a ton of upside. It's an offensive tight end in the league, and he's a guy that you can get very late. Uh, so then my eight guy uh, was uh, Harrison Bryant out of FAU. Um, wait, do I have this right? I'm, I'm thinking I messed up here. I, I did mess up. Uh, I completely skipped over our number seven because we have the same number seven. So I'm gonna let you give your number seven first, uh, cause it is the same guy. So who do you have at seven? Uh, I have, uh, Thaddeus Moss at number seven. You know, he, he's got a pedigree and he flashed a little bit this past year at LSU, but outside of that, I, you know, I'm not sure what all he brings to the table. Yeah. Doesn't have tremendous size. He's only 6'3", about 249. Um, you know, he started out at uh, NC State as a freshman. Then he transferred. 
he, he really didn't play in 17 or 18. And then last year he did catch 47 passes. But I question how much of that is the fact that uh, LSU threw the ball a bajillion times last year. <laughs> you know, he, he played big in big games, and that's what really, I, I think, brought him to the forefront for a lot of people was mm-hmm. the fact that when when the lights were the brightest, he made some plays. Now, he wasn't putting up, you know, six catches for 150 yards in those games, but he was making plays. He was getting first downs. He was catching touchdown passes. So he definitely does bring uh, something to the table uh, at that end. It'll be interesting to see uh, how his his speed translates and his athleticism translates. Uh, you know, I know they've added some new uh, tests to the combine to try to that to try to measure a little better, more football related skills than something like say uh, the three cone drill or the 40 yard dash or some of those things that don't necessarily uh, uh, apply to real NFL play. So it'll be fun to watch this year. And I want to see how many of these guys do do these new drills and set the baseline this year. So with Moss, you know, he's only six, three and two, four high two forties. Um, I, I think he's going to have to show willingness and strength or he's going to have to show exceptional athleticism. Uh, if he's not willing and able to block or he's not extremely athletic, I don't know that he's going to have the size to be a an every down tight end in the NFL. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on what you just said there with Moss. Um, I was kind of not sure how to rank him. I like him. Uh, obviously, I'm with you. I do think the reason he came out this year, because he could have gone back, obviously, to school. I think part of the reason he's coming out this year is because of what LSU's offense did, and he's trying to capitalize on that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I see him more of a you know, probably like a, a red zone threat kind of guy and not someone that's going to do much for you in between the 20s and the middle of the field and everything. I think he's mostly just going to be a red zone threat. Uh, so I do think landing spot is going to uh, going to be big for him, in, in my opinion. So I don't – I'm with you. I don't see a lot of fantasy value for him moving forward. I think he's he's really going to be kind of a guy who who's – not going to do much for you. He's got the name, obviously being a, uh, my goodness, Randy Moss's son and everything, so I do think he brings that cachet as well. Uh, maybe he's a guy who develops, so if you've got a taxi squad, you can throw him on there uh, and kind of let him sit for a couple years and see if he develops into somebody good. Uh, but I'm interested to see what he does at the combine because overall, uh, I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw out of him on the tape for LSU. Uh, so I'll give my six now. Uh, my well, be, before we move on from Moss, though, and yeah. that's why I mentioned the athleticism, because he has that size, that uh, Aaron Hernandez size. Right. So, But he's got to show that he's got the athleticism. It, it's easy to look at a guy and go, oh, well, he's the same size. He, he, he's got the same build he, and, and comp him to that guy. But, but I don't know. Hernandez was a very athletic tight end. He moved around in a lot of different spots. And yeah. I don't think we've seen that from Moss. No, I So the, the athletic measurements are going to be important for Moss. Uh, if he doesn't test very well athletically, I could see him being a mid to late day three guy. 
Yeah, I agree. Maybe later. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said this con- this weekend, or not this. I keep thinking it's this weekend. Next weekend uh, will be big for him, and he's one of the main guys that I want to watch because I'm with you. Like you could comp him to Aaron Hernandez, and not, I'm not saying that that's what you are. You're you're comping him to. Uh, I mean, you've seen explosive plays from him on the field in the LSU games. But again, I'm going to say exactly what you said. Is some of that with what LSU's offense was this year? Because we've never seen that out of him up until this year, which is, again, why I think it's a smart move for him to come out because he's trying to capitalize on his stock being probably the highest it's going to be, which it is right now. Uh, and I just I need to see more of him because I'm not 100% sold that he's going to produce what I saw in probably 10 to 15 plays on tape with LSU on highlight stuff. Uh, I don't know if that's going to to kind of transition into the NFL. He He's the one guy with with me, with Colby Parkinson to Stanford, that I'm really kind of worried out. Really, my top six, I think, all have shots to be anywhere from tight end ones to tight end twos. Like, I, I don't really have that many questions about those guys. But but Moss is kind of like where I'm, you know, when we were talking about quarterbacks last week, we kind of get to that one point where like, yeah, like I really don't know what these guys are going to be. They're probably going to be backups. That's what I kind of see out of Moss. Like, I have no doubt he's going to be an NFL player. But I don't know if he's going to really register for us fantasy-wise. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I need to see more out of him. And I think having a good combine could go a long way toward that. Uh, so for me at six, I had Harrison Bryant out of FAU. Uh, I know a lot of people might think this is a little bit controversial. He's, I, I feel like he's kind of all over the place for a lot of people. Some players, or some players, some analysts have him up there as their number one, anywhere from number one to four or five. I've got him at six. Uh, so 6'5", 240, he's a senior, uh, strengths, really good hands, uh, very good at contested catches. Uh, again, same thing as Breland. He's not necessarily a burner. No, I guess not really a lot of tight ends are. Uh, but he can create some uh, rack. Uh, he, I, there's a lot of plays that I saw out of him creating a lot of uh, yards after the catch, which I thought was, uh, was very interesting. He's a bit deceptive uh, and has a decent catch radius. Uh, his weakness, again, is blocking. Uh, same as Breland's, uh, a 15% uh, big play percentage, 15 plays over 20 yards with two touchdowns, 17% team scrimmage yards. It was first on FAU and 18.8% dominator rating, which is uh, really good and I believe the best of this tight end class. Uh, there's one player I wasn't able to get these numbers on, so and I do think he'd have been better than that. Uh, so he is my number one with the dominator re- rating, uh, but just a 67% catch rating, which was kind of worrisome to me. Uh, so Harrison Bryant, I, I like him a lot. Did not play that great a competition at FAU, so that's one of my biggest worries about him. Uh, I just, outside of that and the blocking, I don't have that many questions on him, if I'm going to be honest. So he may be a guy that eventually moves up my board, but I kind of dropped him down here because uh, I wanted to see more out of him. Had a really good uh, senior bowl week along with Adam Troutman, who's another guy that you could question the the level of competition that they've played. Uh, but I, And I do have Troutman higher, so maybe this is not fair to say on on Brian, but he just hasn't wowed me as much as he has other players, or, or other analysts, I should say. So I have him down at six right now. And again, I will say outside of my top three, uh, you know, four through six are within a hair of each other. I think for me, my top three are my tier one. Everybody else is kind of, or sorry, top four, uh, five, six. I have nine, five through nine are all kind of with split within a hair of each other. Uh, so who do you have at six? Well, I, for me, my, my group is like from two, two to six really is, is where it, uh, but I, I kind of have a group of guys that I'm still shaking out. I think they all, bring a lot to the table 
uh, and are going to get uh, good opportunities in the NFL. So there could definitely be some some movement here. Number six, I have Jared Pinckney uh, out of Vanderbilt. He's a fourth-year guy, played uh, all four years. Uh, he did miss games in three or four years. His junior year was the only one he played the whole season. And in that, that season, he caught 50 passes with a 15.5-yard-per-catch uh, and, and seven touchdowns. Um, I'm where are you? Are, are you pulling your dominator rating and stuff? Is that from expand the box score? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I get all of my stuff from expand the box score. Yes, sir. Okay, I, I got to get my login for that. I, oh, looking dude, at because yeah. when I look at uh, uh, player profiler, uh, Jared Pinkney has a he he broke out at 19. He yeah. had a 21.9% college dominator rating, um, and so I, I like what he brings to the table. Bit, pretty good size, 6'4", 254. Um, he's going to be uh, almost 23 heading into, into the uh, NFL season. So I, I want to kind of get a see how the process plays out over the next couple months. Like I said, I, I'm pretty co- comfortable with the my top eight guys are going to stay my top eight guys. But I do believe that there's going to be some movement among them. But right now I've got Pinkney, 6'4", 254 out of Vanderbilt at, at uh, what's that, number six, was it? Yeah, yeah, six. Uh, so the one thing I'll say about the, the differences there, I, I love playerprofiler.com. Um, I haven't even looked at, at their stuff yet. Uh, I have a subscription with them as well. Uh, I believe he does his dominator ratings as, as what they did throughout their entire college careers. Expand the box scores is based on just that year, uh, whatever year you're looking at. So like the, do- the dominator ratings I give will be different than the ones you're using if you're using player profiler because mine are just based on that year, 2019. So like for instance, because I have Pinkney a lot higher. Uh, if I were to show tell you his at uh, this year, it was just a ten point six percent dominator rating, and you would be able to tell why if uh, if you went back and looked at the stats because his twenty nineteen season was just not good. Uh, I mean, and, and a lot of the stuff that I would give you on him when we get to him, because as I said, I, I have a much higher. But the reason his tw- the uh, my goodness, I can't talk. Dominator rating is so much higher, I think, on player profiler is because of how great a year he had in 2018, which is another reason why I have him so high. But I'll save that uh, for when we get to him because he is a guy that I really like. So at six, uh, with for me, was Harrison Bryant. Uh, so we'll all give you my five, which is Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. Uh, I do like this kid, 6'5", 250. He's a junior. Uh, good, the good thing I like about him, he's a good blocker. So he's one of those well-rounded tight ends. He's got good hands. Uh, really good ball tracker as well, which I think is an underrated skill uh, for tight ends. Uh, you know, most wide receivers you see are very good ball trackers, can catch those balls over their shoulders and everything. Uh, Komet did that quite a lot, which, I, again, I think that's an underrated skill for tight end. Uh, weakness that I have on here for me is just speed, really. And again, that's not that big of a knock on a tight end. So he he's one of those guys that, I, as I was mentioned earlier, there's not a lot separating him between some of my other guys. Uh, in 2019, he had a 14% big play percentage, eight plays over 20 yards, just one touchdown, uh, 11.5 team scrimmage yards, uh, finished third on his team, a 12.4% dominator rating, which was second on Notre Dame, just behind Chase Claypool, and a 72.9% catch percentage. So a really good year for him. I like Komet a lot. I'm interested to see what he does at the combine. I want to see if he – there's a lot of people who think he's going to run fairly fast for the tight end position. I'm, I'm interested to see if he does that. Junior as well, as I mentioned earlier. So him 
And uh, I think there's three of them in my list here that are juniors, younger guys, which I actually kind of like the seniors coming in more because they have just a little bit more seasoning at that tight end position, which hopefully they'll they'll be a little bit more ready to play at the NFL level as we've seen tight ends seem to take just a little bit longer uh, to develop for NFL standards. So that was my five. Who do you have at uh, five? At five, I have uh, University of Dayton phenom Adam Troutman, 6'5", 251 pounds. You know, he kind of falls into that uh, uh, competition question. Um, playing at Dayton, he didn't always play against top-notch competition. But he did go down to the Senior Bowl and, and uh, comported himself very well. Uh, Troutman looked great in the Senior Bowl practices. Uh, he was catching everything shown his way. He was thrown his way. He was blocking uh, very well. Uh, he, he looked the part of an NFL tight end down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, caught 70 passes last year. Caught 178 passes in four years uh, at, at Dayton. Um, and, and while y- you can make the argument, well, what kind of competition did he play? You can also make the argument, what kind of quarterback did he have thrown to him as well? So he he did. Uh, I, I do think he showed well that he, uh, at the Senior Bowl that he'll be able to step up uh, against the competition. Um, he didn't really. He's not registering a breakout age on player profiler, yeah. and so they that he didn't really. Uh, and that could be a function of uh, playing in a small school. You know, the stats aren't pulling or aren't being scraped. Yeah. Uh, but they do show him as having a thirty-eight point one percent college dominator. So at that lower level, you would expect these, you know, the big man on campus like Kroutman to post those dominator, high dominator numbers too. So I, I think he kind of lived up to that billing. So I, I have Adam Troutman at number five. Yeah, so Troutman was the guy for me that I mentioned earlier. I couldn't pull some of these other stats on, and that is why. Playing at a smaller school, uh, college stats in general are very hard to uh, – kind of authenticate and everything so you will not find a lot of sites that have I mean you can go to pro football um, reference I think is what it is or college football reference and they have the stats on there they don't have some of these advanced stats Uh, and it's just because they're hard to authenticate and everything even with big schools much less Dayton. So Dayton, uh, yeah, I, I would think that is part of it, but I would not be surprised uh, that, that his dominator rating is so high, as you just mentioned, because of the talent that he played. And he clearly uh, looked a lot better uh, at Dayton than a lot of other people did in those conferences. All right, so for me at uh, four, I have Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. And he's a guy that I could see go on going higher for me. Uh, just because of how much I like him, but it was I had to finally find a place for him, and I just kind of settled at four uh, for me. So 6'5", 245, he's a fifth-year senior, did not play at all his freshman year. He redshirted, so uh, technically he did only play for four years, but he was in college for five. Uh, great rack ability here, uh, does a ton after the catch. Incredible ball-tracking skills as well for him, and really strong hands. Uh, one of the things I liked about him was some of the uh, contested catches that he had uh, that uh, he was holding on to the ball with defenders all over him. You know, not a lot of tight ends are going to hold on to that throughout the catch, and he did. So I, I liked what I saw out of him. Uh, his weakness, again, is uh, like a bunch of others in this class, just blocking. He's not good at it at all. Uh, 12% big play percentage this past year, 11 plays over 20 yards and two touchdowns. 
17.7% of the team scrimmage yards uh, for Purdue, which was second behind rookie sensation David Bell. Uh, and then same in the dominator rating, finished behind him at 17.1% dominator rating this year. 64.9% catch percentage. So like Hopkins uh, a lot, he's a guy that I could see moving up past my third, maybe even my second guy, who we'll get to in a little bit here. But uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see what he does at the combine because I, I like this guy a lot. And again, as I mentioned, he's a guy who could really move up the board for me. So who is your number four, Dennis? Well, speaking of rackability, I was talking to my wife. <laughs> oh, Anyways. Go ahead. I, wanna, um, I was going to say, I was going to insert a, a dirty little sounder there, but I, I decided to go against it. Go ahead. Uh, uh, my number four, I have Hunter Bryan at number four. So he's on the small side, uh, 6'2", 240. He's kind of in that Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett kind of mold. Uh, he's definitely somebody that's going to need to uh, he, he's going to need to test well athletically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to have to show some speed because he is a smaller guy. Uh, he had a 20.9% college dominator on uh, player profiler with a 20 uh, breakout age. Uh, he, he caught 52 passes with a 15.9 yard uh, per catch average uh, at Washington. So his career average at Washington was 16.4. His freshman and sophomore years, though, he he didn't play. He played in a combined 14 games and then 12 games as a junior. uh, And then he he came out uh, to the draft. So uh, I I like the profile as somebody that can put up uh, fantasy points. But I could also see it it, it being uh, one of those things where He's just not he's not fast enough to be a wide receiver, not powerful enough to be a tight end, and he ends up being that tweener that that some non-creative coach can't seem to figure out how to get on the field. Yeah, I can see that. That's one of my worries about him as well, but I've got him uh I mean, I'll just say it right now. He's my one. I, I love what I've seen out of Bryant uh, uh from Washington. So I'm I'm excited to to see more of him from the, at the combine, but I'll, I'll give you kind of my breakdown of him here in a minute. Uh, so for me at three, because uh, my four was Hopkins, my three is uh, Adam Troutman, and I'm pretty much, I mean, you nailed it right on the head with him. Not much for me to add uh, add on there to him. I said, uh, really, and the one thing I liked about him is uh, he was very versatile as well uh, in some of the stuff. Again, it's kind of hard to find date and tape, uh, so a lot of the stuff I watched was YouTube stuff. Uh, but was very versatile, really good route runner, and a phenomenal catch radius that he had, which I think part of uh, has to do with his background. He was a basketball player as well, uh, so he's really good at jumping. You, you can see him. I don't even know if it's fair to call it contested catches because he's out jumping some guys, but a really good catch radius. Um, the one thing I'm worried about with him, and again, I know he showed out really well, as everybody has been saying at the Senior Bowl and the practices and everything, uh, but he hasn't been a tight end that long. He was actually a quarterback all through high school, transitioned to being a tight end once he got to college. So he's still kind of working on the finer points of tight end, something we've talked about, I know, last year. Uh, when When you look at tight ends coming out of college, it's something you have to watch because there's so much nuances to the tight end position, not only are you having to learn route running and where you're going with that, but you also have to learn pass blocking and run blocking schemes as well. So it's not an easy position. If people may want to think it is, but it's actually probably one of the harder positions on offense outside of quarterback because you pretty much have to know everything. Uh, and so I, I do think that's, I don't want to say a weakness, but something to watch for him is just kind of him learning the fighter, finer points of the tight end position uh, because he has not been doing it as long as uh, some of these other guys have. Uh, so he was my, 
my three. Dennis, who do you have at three? Uh, I have Bryson Hopkins at three. Uh, there's there's not a, a ton for me to add to uh, what you put on the table already. You know, he he's a good athlete. He, he does need to work on uh, holding up a, a, a in the run game uh, if he wants to be on the field. And, yeah. You know, we say it all the time. Uh, you can't make plays from the bench. Um, and, and so, yeah, you, you can get out there and, and be that passing game guy, but it, it really limits your opportunity if you're a, a one-dimensional kind of player. You know, he's got the size. I think if Hopkins can put on, you know, five, nine more pounds, get himself up to 250, yeah, and just be willing to block. A lot of these guys, it just comes down to the willingness. If you're willing to put in the effort, then you can become serviceable. And if you can become serviceable, it's a lot easier to make the, those fake blocks and then float out down the middle of the field for you know 12 or 15 yards uh, when teams believe you're blocking. Uh, versus if they think you're, if they know you're, when you're in there, you're going to be running a pattern, then you're going to get the safety on you that can cover you. Versus the defensive end that you're going to get away from. So, uh, you know, he's he's just going to have to uh, you know, grow that part of his game. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, like I said, that's that was my biggest question about him as well. So my number two uh, is a guy you mentioned already, and Jared Pinkney out of Vanderbilt, six four two sixty, senior. Uh, you know, I I love this kid. Uh, great, great. He's a great and willing blocker, which I think speaks good things for him. Great hands, sneaky, athletic after the catch, and he was used all over the field. Um, you know, my biggest thing here is uh, obviously he had a really bad 2019. A lot of that I think was due to his quarterback. His quarterback was god awful. Kind of one of the things we talk about with Jalen Rager at TCU, who had three quarterbacks throughout the season and they all sucked. That's kind of what happened to Pinkney at Vanderbilt. It was just not good for him. But if you go back and look at his 2018 season, he was really good. By far one of the best tight ends. And he was in discussion at being the top tight end that year. Uh, but this year, just a down year. 11% big play percentage. Four plays over 20 yards, one touchdown. 6.7% of the team scrimmage yards, which finished sixth on the team. A 10.6 dominator rating, which finished third. Uh, and then a 54.1% catch percentage. So the one thing I like about Pinkney, again, is... He, he's good at everything. Uh, you know, he has said, a great willing blocker, which I think is going to keep him on the field. If he can do anything like he did in 2018 moving forward, I think that means, in my opinion, he's going to be the top tight end of this class. And, and one of the things I love about that, though, is he's not being mentioned at the top. He, he's clearly at below five for most analysts, which I think is a good thing. I think a lot like Jacob Breland I mentioned earlier, that means he's a guy that you can get after a bunch of these guys. I would not be surprised if he ends up being the best tight end of this class. So just a guy to watch for. I, I think he's going to have a really good combine next weekend. Uh, maybe that'll move him up the board for some people, but definitely a guy to watch. Because if you go back and look at what he did in 2018 compared to what he did in 2019, he looks like a completely different player. So love Jared Pinkney out of Vanderbilt. I think a, a lot of people are kind of sleeping on his uh, his ability if they if they haven't watched what he did in 2018 and 2019. So who is your number two? Uh, my number two is uh, the aforementioned Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic. Uh, I, I, one of the things I like about him was that he he was always there. He started uh, or he played in. 10, 12, and 13 games in the sophomore, junior, and senior season. Caught 32, 45, and 65 passes. So as a sophomore, playing in 10 games, catching 32 passes uh, with five touchdowns, it, 
I'd have to go back and look a little closer, but I think he was the starter then as a sophomore. Uh, he he just uh, he's got good size. I'd like to see him bulk up to about two fifty five. If he if, if he's six five, you know he needs to get up into the two fifties uh, and, and be able to to hold up out there. But he's got a twenty six point two percent dominator rating with a nineteen point four breakout age. And uh, it's it's really going to be one of those uh, th- this tight end class, uh, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, there's just a cluster of guys in one through eight, and uh, it's going to come down to scheme fit and uh, what the NFL coaches think. So we're going to need to keep a big eye on draft capital to see how this this, this uh, tight end class shakes out. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, you, I feel like we could say it about every position here. Landing spot could really change a lot of draft stocks, but I, I really think that's going to change for tight ends, especially, uh, you know, someone, uh, the question I have on here later in a spot that really needs to tight end and uses them very well in the offense. So we'll save that discussion for there. Uh, so, so my number one was Hunter Bryan out of Washington, as I already mentioned earlier. I just, I love what I saw out of this kid last year. Uh, as you mentioned, he is undersized, 6'2", 239, the junior. He plays like a wide receiver at the tight end position. He's just incredible after the catch, great hands. Uh, but as you mentioned, he struggles at blocking. I do think some of that is just due to the fact that he is undersized. He is not your typical tight end. He's he is about three to four inches smaller and, and probably close to 40 pounds or 30 pounds underweight. Uh, so he's not your typical tight end, but uh, – just a phenomenal player. I almost kind of look at him as like a Noah Fant type or Evan Ingram. I think that what he does offensively is what's going to get him on the field. Um, and at times when they're going to need him for run blocking, he's probably not going to be there. But what he can do when he's on the field, I think, is going to be really good for for, for fantasy owners. Uh, 18% big play percentage this year. 14 plays over 20 yards with three touchdowns. 16.2% of the team scrimmage yards. That was second on the team. Uh, 16.2% dominator rating as well, which was second on the team. And a 67.5% catch percentage. So really like Hunter Bryant. Excited to watch him at the combine next weekend. So who was your number one, Dennis? My number one is Cole Komet. Um, he's the best two-way tight end in this class and right now that sort of gives me the edge for him as we've talked through them I got to be honest I think you're kind of changing my mind on some of these other guys sometimes (laughs) when I'm evaluating well I I start looking at guys in the whole game right And, and what I have to remember is that in fantasy we don't care about the whole game we care about how are you going to produce fantasy points? And I think in evaluating these tight ends, uh, I've got myself wrapped up in uh, potential snap count. Well, I, I get it. You can't you can't score points from the bench, right? But I'm I'm talking in circles here because you also you're not going to score points if you're constantly tied up with the defensive end and outside <laughs> linebacker. Uh, you've got to run pass patterns, and so. Uh, I, it'll be interesting as I go back and uh, reevaluate these and, and uh, see. Right now, I think I, I might be off on having Komet at one because I, I he is the mo- most well-rounded tight end. I think. Yes, I agree. Uh, at this point, he's he's played against great comp- better competition than most of them. Uh, he also has played with some pretty crappy quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. uh, if we're being fair. Yeah. No, that's so, fair. That's uh, very fair. Um. 
So that that's uh, I, I have Cole Komet at number one. No, and so I don't think Komet at one is a bad a bad call. And like I said, that's why I've mentioned you know Pinkney and Komet as as you just mentioned are were such good blockers because I do think that matters because. You know, I'm not trying to compare either one to George Kittle, but that's why George Kittle is on the field for like 95 to 99% of San Francisco plays because they don't have to pull him off when it comes time to block in the run game. So it, it is a very important part. I'm not trying to take that away. Uh, and then I, I think that really kind of plays into what you were just saying as well. Landing spot is really going to be big for some of these guys because if you have a, you know, a Hunter Bryant land and say, hey, I mean, this is going to be a bad example, but let's pretend Travis Kelsey's not with the Chiefs anymore. If Hunter Bryant were to land with, say, the Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey were to move on, Hunter Bryant would be right there because he's like, all right, they're clearly going to use him in the passing game, not really as a blocker, and that's what helps him out because he's such a good offensive weapon. So I, I was just rating it based on, uh, you know, kind of what I thought or what I've seen from the tape that I've watched on them and everything, and not just the overall picture, but I'll agree with you when you said it. Komet is by far the most well-rounded. There's no doubt about that, which could end up putting him up as the one, and I'll be honest, a lot of people have him up there at one uh, because of that. There's a lot of talk that he'll be the first tight end off the board. I, I can't remember. I, I don't think it was McShay. I want to say it was um, – I am drawing a blank now on um, – who is the other ESPN guy? Really big. I cannot remember. Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper. Uh, Mel Kuyper. No, wait. Yeah, Kuyper. Yeah, it was Kuyper who said that he thought Cole Komet was going to be the number one tight end off the board. And one of the places that he projected him to is a team that I was going to ask you about, so we'll just transition right into that. And, and that's the New England Patriots. He said that he thought the New England Patriots could take him with the last pick in the first round. So if that's the case, in my opinion, Komet clearly jumps up to the number one uh, because we know that New England likes to use that tight end position, and we already know what he can do offensively, and you know he's not going to get pulled off the field because he's clearly a good blocker as well. So I, I don't think that's a bad way to evaluate the position at all, especially this early in the process. There, there's, as I, I mean, I would put there's no wrong way to, to evaluate the position because there's still so much more data that we have to collect. So uh, do you think New England is going to try and grab one of these guys due to how bad that they've kind of been at tight end since Gronk left uh, and it being such a key part of their offense. You mean how bad they've been for the whole one year since Gronk has been gone? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels yeah. like longer, though, because Gronk was so good, and it feels like that one year like stretched into five or six. I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily think so, in part because Belichick and McDaniels, they're probably two of the best coaches at taking what they have and building an offense that can succeed with what they have. So while it's easy to sit here and say, well, who can they bring in to play the Gronk role? They might not be thinking, oh, we need to get another Gronk. They might be thinking, well, Tom's getting old. We need to figure out where we're going to go with this offense. I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if they went running back in the first round. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, I know they got Michelle. They've got they drafted Harris. Uh, they've got James White. But I, I could see Belichick going. You know what? Everybody is going to these small defenses because everything's going to the perimeter. So now we'll be able to run on them. Uh, I'm not predicting they go running back for the record. Right. Uh, but if they did, I wouldn't go, oh, I never saw that coming. Because who knows? I, I Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they trade out of the first round and get 
more yeah. second and third round picks. That's you know that's their mo. Uh, they they don't stay in the first round a lot. They that's just not what they do. Occasionally they do. You know they they see a guy that they're like we're gonna make a move because this this is the one guy that we need. But I think if they look at their team now with you know some of the offensive line needs and over, I don't think they believe that they're just one guy away. That one guy is gonna be able to fix it. And so Bill is gonna try to find a way to get two or three guys to add with two or three free agents and and then mix them all up together and see where does the best position go? How do I put these guys in the best position to win games? Yeah. And and for him, he doesn't care if he wins by 40 or if he wins by you know one. It, it, it he just wants to win and he, he literally would be perfectly happy going 16 and 0 with a point differential of 16. I think he'd be just fine with that. Uh, but as far as the tight end, I could see him taking one of them. And, and But I, I, I think he's smart enough to realize he's not going to be able to replace Gronk. And so I don't think he's trying to replace Gronk. I think we are all trying to replace Gronk for him, but I don't think he's trying to replace Gronk. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade out of the first uh, either, especially with that horrible pick they made last year of Nikhil Harry in the first round. That was, uh, I mean, that, I think that's going to come back and bite him in the ass a little bit. So uh, I'm just kidding, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if they're trying to replace Gronk. I, I would not be surprised if they take a tight end. I mean, I don't think Tom Brady's coming back, as I've made that very clear. Uh, so I'm really not that. Uh, I don't know if they're doing it as a whole, uh, like, you know, trying to help out Tom Brady thing. Although maybe they will. Uh, you know, obviously there's still a chance that he goes back. I would say there's more of a shot that he doesn't come back uh, to New England, though. But that's uh, another argument for another time. Uh, we spent enough time on that, that on that one podcast. So uh, last question for you before we get out of here today. Do you think, and if you do, how many tight ends do you think go in the first round this year? Well, who needs a tight end? So Detroit doesn't, Minnesota doesn't, Green Bay they're gonna let Jimmy Graham go, but they've got yeah, I mean, you know, Sternberger and a couple so guys. Chicago one. probably needs a tight end. Yes, but you know, coming from the Andy Reid tree, is Nagy gonna be looking for a J- uh, Jason, uh, Travis Kelsey kind of tight end? I don't think you so know. because of how how low they're drafting. I don't see a tight end going that high. If I'm being fair for them, so I would say no, they're not gonna take one in the first round. I could be wrong, you know, but I don't see, think so. Seattle doesn't. San Francisco doesn't. Uh, if the Chargers re-sign Henry, they don't. You know, the Raiders have Waller. So it, it really comes down to how many teams are really in need of a tight end. I don't yeah. know that the tight end class is necessarily that strong. So if I were a betting man, I probably would put the over-under at one and a half. And take the under. So... Uh, you know, it, that's it's tough. I could see it go either way. Could see it go either way. I'll take the under. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw my cards on the table. I think it's going to go. I actually don't think one will go in the first round outside of like, because I mean, again, just looking at it here, I mean, the, the teams that I see that need one badly are all drafting so low in the draft, I, and I don't see them wanting to trade up into the first round to grab a tight end. There's just so much other talent. 
you know, with wide receivers, running backs, you've got a bunch of quarterbacks. I think there's a chance at four to five quarterbacks going the first round this year. There's so much defensive talent on the board as well with the linebackers, defensive ends, and cornerbacks that I don't think that a tight end goes. I think it's one of those things where they're kind of one of the – they're just kind of pushed into the second and third round. I think a bunch will go on that day two. I could easily see, you know, three or four going in those first – uh you know, in that second and third round, but I, I don't see any going in the first round this year. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's probably spot on. Hey, did you see Brian Edwards broke his foot? I did. That is horrible. I saw everybody kind of reacting to it on Twitter. He's one of those guys that I was watching to. You know, I sent out a tweet earlier that, you know, everybody's talking about the whole rugs and, and Rager and all that. Who's going to run the fastest? Like, I, I'm really interested in watching those second round guys. Uh, and what they do, like the Isaiah Hodgins, Brian Edwards, uh, Salvin Ahmed, uh, the running back, guys like that, because I think they can really kind of boost their stock uh, a lot with with uh, what they do here at the at the combine. So it does suck that I, I still think he's going to go high because uh, I still have him as one of my better wide receivers in this class. But it does suck that he broke his foot because I imagine that means he's probably not going to be to be able to do any kind of pro day either before the NFL draft. Yeah, that's a pretty late, pretty late in the game to uh, break your foot. Yeah, I mean, and while we're on news, really quick, did you see the? I guess somewhat good news uh, about the fact that uh, looks like the Buccaneers are eyeing, are eyeing a two-year deal with Jameis Winston. So that will be interesting. I think that's probably the the best move for them to go and not lock themselves up long-term to the guy. And I wonder if he would be willing to sign that, but uh, that kind of came across as we were recording as well. Cool. I, I think Jameis is a perfect fit for that offense. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think, I, you know, as our, as our friend, uh, Ashley underscore EMT, you know, she's definitely on the, uh, Jameis Winston wagon yes. there in, in Tampa. So, uh, yes, uh, since she covers him, who am I to say, uh, She's wrong. She she defends that guy a lot on Twitter, unfortunately, because there's a lot of people coming after that guy. So I see her kind of arguing in his defense, which, again, he's not a bad quarterback at all. Just needs to, you know, throw like 15 interceptions instead of 30. But that's neither here nor there. So, Dennis, I appreciate you jumping on with me today here Friday to talk about our tight ends. Uh, we're going to have – all kinds of combine talk next week as we're going to jump into it. Interesting that they, they changed the schedule up and everything's going to be prime time now. So that'll be, I guess, fun for, for us a little bit. I kind of liked how some of the stuff came out during the day. Uh, so I didn't have to sit around all night. Now my wife's probably going to get mad at me because I'm going to sit around all night over the next weekend as I'm watching all this stuff. But I do think it's kind of a cool thing. They're moving all that stuff to prime time now. So I'm interested to see all that. Uh, we'll definitely do a lot of talk about that next week. I hope you have yourself a, a good weekend. I look forward to talking to you on Monday. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there.